Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, guys, welcome back into the Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. It's Maryland week, which usually is a good sign for Penn State when they're going to College Park. But who knows this year? I'm Bob Flounders. Dave Jones is joining me. First of two podcasts, we're going to talk about James Franklin's Tuesday presser, which is already has Dave and I chuckling for some of the things he referenced. And we're also going to deal with, we're going to talk about the college football playoff. I think, I believe the initial rankings will be uh, released later tonight. Dave's got some thoughts about that. I'm sure we'll get to it later in the week as well. But it's an action-packed show. I know Dave's super psyched. He just returned from Columbus, as did I. The Lions are 5-3, and three, so are the Terps. Dave, how are you doing? Well, we're going to try to take a holistic viewpoint of the entire press conference. So, obviously, that's what we do every week. Um, and we're uh, <laughs> proud to have the opportunity to do that. Yeah. I'm laughing. I know Dave's laughing. Uh, I'm. I, I think it might have been a question about Mike Yersich's offense and how he's yes. doing this year. Dave, I've I've covered Penn State for 20 years. You're you've done it longer than I have. You ever heard in a press conference, a football press conference, uh, a football coach use the term holistically uh, in a press conference? I have heard my wife's friends talk about it in relation to uh, vitamin supplements, but not. Uh, not right, not so, in football terms. No, no. So set it up, set it up. I know you got some thoughts, but yeah, he was, I think he was asked by Corey Geiger about uh, Mike Yersich's uh, first season at Penn state. He replaced Kirk Shiraka. Corey referenced the fact that maybe the offensive numbers for Penn state aren't what Franklin and Penn state expected this year. <laughs> James kind of framed it his own way. And the word holistically came out. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I kind of enjoy the guy. I mean, he's he's not Brian Harson, right? No. Yeah, that's great. That's a good thing. That's a good thing, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Yes. But the, the question is whether Yursich has been an upgrade at OC, considering that his offensive stats, right. uh, I guess, are slightly down. I mean, you can, you can parse stats however you want to do them. And uh, Franklin said that you got to look at the got to look at the performance against top opponents and defenses you've played, and it's like looking at records; they they all aren't the same. And then he said, "You you you look at data; you must look at it holistically," which I haven't heard except for when people are discussing milk thistle and other holistic remedies. Usually, is that homeopathic uh, or holistic? Do you take milk thistle? My wife I don't. Does. I'm going to start maybe if if James I is think good maybe with it. I'm good with it. Yeah. I mean, I, as far as the actual question, I yeah. think Mike Yersich has been a considerable upgrade. I don't know what you think, and yeah. the stats reflect a much different schedule instead of uh well what did what did we have at this point last year we had indiana which was a pretty good team and we had ohio state which was a pretty good team and this year we've already had wisconsin yeah. who 
was a pretty damn good defense at that time and has regenerated into one Auburn, Ohio State. And I think it's, I think the competition, to his point, the competition has been uh, considered uh, Iowa has been considerably better to this point of the season. So, yeah, I don't know if stats quite say it. <laughs> look, when, when you look with eyeballs, you can say that you can see that this this offense has adjusted to different situations pretty quickly with the possible exception of uh, the Iowa game, especially the packages, even even the Iowa game, because they were ready to chop up that Iowa defense. I mean, they were going to score 38 points with Clifford if yep. he's out there and he leaves uh, after, you know, three eighths of the game is over and doesn't come back. It's a different situation. I thought the packages for Auburn was good. The package for Ohio State was really good. Uh, he knows what he's doing, and he's more—he he has more versatility in the way he uses his weaponry. To me, I, I don't think yeah. it's really much of a, much of a, a competition. Do you? Uh, I agree with you, Dave. I, I do think you know. It's just I, again, I just I, I hate to harp on it, but all the eggs tied to a healthy Sean Clifford, and if you don't have him pretty close to a hundred percent, it's just. There's there's not a lot Penn State's offense seems to be able to do. But what I was going to say, Dave, is if you're going to ask a question about a Penn State offensive assistant, I would I would I would probably point that loaded gun at the offensive line coach. I was Phil struck, one. Yeah, Phil Trout one. I was struck by James belief that the offensive line with especially in the run game played more physical uh, in the Ohio. He said, State. Yeah, did, 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 I I. I almost didn't think I heard that correctly. He yeah, thought he, they played more physically. He did say that, and he thought they took a step forward. I, I did not see it that I way. It. I, I would argue also they, they did have some yards. They did put together some drives. And, again, I am I am not a Penn State fan. I thought Penn State's offensive line got away with two, three, four holds that were blatant that really would have submarined some rides. I not only uh, some drives. Not only did I not think they played that all that well, I thought they should have been flagged a couple of times uh, for some pretty obvious holds. So I don't know if I would agree with the assessment that they played better and more physical uh, against the Buckeyes. Yeah, I, I, it was almost like he was suggesting the running backs aren't quite doing their job well enough. Uh, making safeties yeah. miss. Did you hear that? I agree with that, Dave. I think that that's yeah. You could agree with that, but I mean, uh, it, it's not the offensive line, is what he's saying. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, you can parse that any way you want, but the running game isn't good and hasn't been good in that respect. What Yursich did and put together at Ohio State without any running game, knowing yeah. he wouldn't probably wouldn't have one, and then assembling that package without one is even more impressive to me. Uh, I mean, it wasn't even uh, trying to set up the run with the pass. It was just going to be a passing game, and he was going to exploit his advantage, which he thought was clearly there were wideouts against Ohio State's secondary, and I think he established that that was true. Uh, he's good at identifying advantages on the field and exploiting them. He did it against Ohio State. We've talked about it since Franklin's been uh, at Penn State. He's in his eighth year. As good as Barkley was at Penn State, it was only because he was able to jump over guys and make guys miss in the hole uh, on many of his runs or even that USC run where he went cross-country 
you know, that play did not look like it was blocked particularly well either. I just, it, it is one thing I think that's been true of this offensive line more often than not is they have not necessarily done a very good job uh, against quality teams creating space uh, for running right. backs at the line of scrimmage. And if you're asking your runner to consistently make uh, players miss, like Travion Henderson did on that long run. He, he made that move on Jair Brown after he got into the secondary, which was a big play in the game. You're going to have to get some five-star running backs instead of some four-star running backs. That's the difference, right? You can say the, the running backs, Penn State's running backs are beat up, but everyone's beat up this time of year. To your, to your point about Barkley's run against USC, I mean, there were more than that. He, he had free rushers coming in at him at all, all times. Uh, that was an inside zone run that ended up way out on the edge. First, he bounced it out. Then he cut back against the grain and pretty much ran away from four different defensive backs. Yeah, that's a five-star guy, and so is Trevion Henderson. Uh, yeah. They don't have those now. Uh, they have beat up three- and four-star guys. This problem is just going to keep, you know, it's going to keep surfacing, Dave, if your offensive line can't get pushed. Yeah, they're, they're not getting pushed. They're not getting gaps either. I mean, there's really not a lot for these these running backs to do. What happens when they constantly are running into walls is they become hesitant. Any running back will do that. It's like banging your head in, in, against the wall. I mean, if you what I compared it to was sticking your fist into a running garbage disposal. You you get you get a little leery, and they expect. Uh, to, to be hit as soon as they get the ball, um, that that makes your your running fluidity lesser. If you got a guy like Barkley, he could adapt to those situations. But even he, if you remember, he became so accustomed to bouncing runs that sometimes he didn't hit holes. And I think you saw that with his first couple of years with the Giants, didn't you? Because he's got another crappy offensive line there. Uh, God knows what Saquon Barkley could have done would have done all these years if he'd had even a decent offensive line, right? I just think that the, the Penn State's offensive line has to be more functional. They can't expect uh, guys who don't even have nearly the talent of Barkley to make safeties miss. It's not like they're getting to the second level all that often in order to make those safeties miss. And I, I don't I don't know. Maybe he's trying to sp- spread the blame around because he knows the offensive line is uh, – coming in for it. They they have pass blocked pretty well, but they have not run blocked well at all. I think everyone agrees to that. Yeah, Dave. And uh, James did say, he mentioned a couple of errors he thought in the loss to Ohio State. He mentioned a couple of errors he thought were different in a positive way for Penn State. Uh, he did mention Sean Clifford, obviously not as limited or very little uh, of his game was limited in the Ohio State game. And Illinois, against Illinois, it, after the first quarter, when they got that 10-0 lead, you could tell he just was not – he wasn't anywhere near uh, 100%, Dave. And he did look – I thought he looked very good, very close to 100%. I was doubtful that he would be, but I didn't think there was much that he couldn't do against Ohio State's defense. And I think that was the difference. He mentioned that Penn State was better on third down. Their offense was able to make some plays on third down to get to extend some drives, get some rest for the defense. Third down had been an issue, but he also did say they were more physical at the line of scrimmage. The defensive line, I thought, did about all they could against Ohio State. And I, I would agree with that missing P.J. Mustafer. 
but that offensive line, Dave, you're, I, I'm with you. I, I, don't, I don't see a more physical offensive line. And I don't know how physical they're going to need to be against Maryland Saturday afternoon at College Park. But they, they got Michigan and Michigan State on the dance card at some point in the next month. So we're gonna, they're going to get put to the test again. And I don't know that they can pass it. Well, clearly, the, the question about Yurcich, whether he's performing, I think he's adapting really well to the situation. And I think he's almost thrown in the towel on the running game to yeah. the point where he's not even trying to throw to set up the run. He's just trying to throw the ball and use his advantages. Well, with a healthy Sean Clifford, what are the guys he wants to exploit? He has a good uh, squadron of wideouts, um, and he has Sean Clifford, who knows what he's doing out there and can make throws. So he's not even trying to use the running game to to do much at this point. He can't he doesn't even trust them really, really much on on second and four. I mean, he just throws the ball again, which is what I think we're going to see. If you if if there are weaknesses in any of those teams you mentioned coming up, I, I think I think Michigan can be exploited in its back seven. I think Michigan State also can. Uh, both teams did that to each other, and I think it can be done by Penn State. I I, I think Yersich has pretty much uh, given up on the running game, and he's going to deal with what he has, what he can use. And I think that's that's the way it's going to have to go. He's going to have to turn into a, a Big Twelve offense like he had at Oklahoma State, where you know so much of it really doesn't deal with the running game at all. He's used to it; he can do it. Dave, I think you make a good point. And I think to illustrate what you said about Mike Yersich and maybe his frustration with the running game, knowing its limitations, I think there was proof of that in the Ohio State game on Kevon Lee's one-yard run. He had to scheme up a, a formation where Kevon Lee was almost like in a three-back set, you know, like a wishbone. He was the outside back on the right. He had Brenton Strange in the middle behind Sean Clifford. And I think he had another running back to the left. And he had Kevon League break from right to left, and the play worked. But that's a formation that I don't know that I've seen uh, on the college level from a Penn State offense. It worked, but he had to do that just to get a yard or two. And I think it speaks to how frustrated he is. And, Dave, the other thing is I'm beginning to wonder how much Penn State misses its old tight ends coach, Tyler Bowen, who left last year to take the uh, job in Jacksonville with Urban Meyer. He was replaced by Ty Hall, a former Penn State center. Dave, I think the Penn State, ta- the, t- the, the tight end room is talented, but when you talk about making strides in season, especially either as blockers or as pass catchers, they've dropped some passes that have really hurt Penn State, Illinois, other games. They haven't, I don't think, necessarily been a great as blockers. I just wonder maybe if Penn State is suffering from the loss of Tyler Bowen as well. The tight end position has become one such that that you all almost are defined whether you're going to be a pass catcher, a big guy who gets downfield like Mike Kosicki was, who was yeah. not a great blocker either, nope. or you're you're going to be used primarily as a blocker. These guys have been erratic in both respects. Sometimes they're. I I, th- I think the offensive line has done pretty damn well pass blocking. That has been a strong point of them. Again, what are you going to do? You're, you're going to bang your head against the wall and try to uh, you're, you're essentially wasting downs yeah. if you try to run the ball on first down, second and long. It's it's hopeless. So do what you do what you do well. 
you must look at it holistically, I think, Bob, in that in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> he is I, James Franklin is nothing if not creative in some of his responses. And uh, may, and he might uh, you're right. He might actually be right. I agree that that I don't think the stats really indicate the success that your has had ver- under very challenging circumstances. Dave, the 2020 offense that Kirk Shiraka had, whatever those numbers were at the end of the year. And I think they were I think just on raw numbers, they were like the number three or number four offense in terms of total yards in the Big Ten, and it was all built, Dave, on that win streak against some teams that had either given up, like Illinois and even Michigan, and some teams that were just flawed, you know, as good as Michigan State is this year, and that was one hell of a game they played against Michigan and won uh, on Saturday. That was not the Michigan State team that was on the field when Penn State saw them late in the year at Beaver Stadium, and Rutgers just wasn't very good. And they had become... They had become the opposite of this Penn State offense. They were relying on trying to run the ball with uh, with Clifford, with Will Levis, with Kevon Lee, and just try and manage the game because they couldn't throw it. They weren't able to generate a passing game other than an occasional big play from Jahan Dotson. So I agree that this is prob- this is a better Penn State offense, even if the numbers don't bear it out because of the defenses that they've had to go against. And some of the limitations they've ha- they've had, they just have, you know, the the offense, the running backs have not looked good. They have not been healthy, and the offensive line uh, and the tight ends. I just I just think it's been a very very average at best year for all those guys. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant. Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. I thought it was interesting, the uh, pronunciation. Franklin must not watch any NFL or even, or or he'd know how to spit. I didn't know how to pronounce Tungavaloa until probably last year, but he still can't pronounce it. Yeah. He wasn't even close. What? (laughs) Anyway, have you seen much of Maryland at at this point? I think that, what did James say? He said, Taglia Via. Yeah, he did. Anyway, he did. His, his name is Talia Tungavaloa. He's uh, t- he's to his younger okay. brother, and he's a very interesting player. If you remember him last season in the 35-19 Maryland win, he had a yeah. very good game. Uh, and you mentioned Rakim Jarrett when you when you asked uh, Franklin about that. Uh, they're depleted, and and this yeah. could have been had all their guys at wideout been healthy, could have yeah. been one hell of a matchup between what I thought when the season began was at least as good a wideout squadron as Ohio State's. And that is saying a lot because these guys were really, really good. Right. But Jay Sean Jones and Dante Demas are out with season-ending injuries. You still have Jarrett, who's terrific and is a five-star talent. And uh, you got Carlos Carlos Carrier, who has been like a third stringer, had two TDs last year. You still got talent. But what do you think of the matchup of Tungavaloa and those wideouts and that that game where they, they do a little bit of RPO, uh, a little bit of other stuff against Penn State's back four, 
who I think they were outstanding again against Ohio State. This is the best back four they've ever had since I've been here. I mean, it's the best back four Penn State's ever had. I don't think there's any question about it. Yeah, and we're going to get really into this matchup in our other in our next podcast. But yeah, you're right. To me, you know, just an early tip off. I think if you're if you're Brent Pry and your Penn State's defense, you, you want to make Tungavailoa. A, you got to make you got to make him uncomfortable. B, you gotta you gotta make somebody else other than Jarrett on that offense beat you, and you might want to invite them to beat you, but you cannot let he just destroyed them on those catch and run scores early in the game that were disheartening. Uh, they were, I, I just rewatched them uh, for a story I posted to see what Maryland did. Um, it was actually pretty clever. They were do two different concepts, twin sets to the couple right. Of, couple, a couple of crossing routes against zone, weren't they? Well, they, it, no, they weren't. It was, it was actually, I, I, cause if you watch them, I'm going to send you the link. He was the inside receiver and on both plays, Maryland ran version. He's the inside receiver and they still were able to run rub routes to get him free with the outside receiver kind of sheltering the Penn state coverage on the first one. It looked like there was a little bit of a communication issue between Tariq Castro fields and Jaquan Brisker. Although it did look like Tariq was the guy that maybe was the one that got, that got, uh, that that took the cheese. And on the other one, it was actually, uh, it was actually Daquan Hardy who was kind of victimized, but they were very clever play designs that were essentially slants or shake routes. And he caught the ball 10 yards down the field, you know, for a guy that's pretty big, he's, you know, almost 210 pounds. He can really move. And there was nobody Dave that was catching him. (laughs) I I was never, I was not at Beaver stadium for that game during COVID you were, Mm -hmm. and I have still never seen a complete field view like the coaches see of yeah. that play. And Jarrett was so far out the shoot yeah. on TV in a frame that, you, you know, you, you couldn't really tell what, what the scheme sure. was, but yeah. because he was gone yeah. uh, and yeah. no one was even in his vicinity. Uh, Castro fields wasn't close to him. Right. And man, that's the thing with this guy. If he gets a couple of steps, it's over. I mean, you're 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 depending on the safety to just run his ass down, and that, that ain't gonna help. That ain't gonna happen very easily either. Uh, yeah. So he he is a problem. And your question to uh, Franklin, what did he say to that? I can't remember what he said exactly. I, he said, this, he, this is a little bit of a different unit than it was last year at that time. Yeah, and that's what I was trying to get at. He did say, you know, even in the Penn State game or the Ohio State game, you know, Stroud ended up with 305 yards, but it was really it was really two plays in that game that really hurt Penn State. It was Alave's 30-yard catch on that over route. That was their first touchdown, and it was the catch and run by Jackson Smith. It's hyphenated. Jackson Smith, I think it's – is it Najigba? It was a hitch on a 10-yard completion. He broke the tackle, and Penn State – still was able to run the guy down, but it was a 58-yard play. You take the 58 yards and the 38 yards away on those two completions, and he basically, Stroud basically threw for 200 yards on 20 completions. He did say that they played much better this year, but they just have to be careful against a talent like Jarrett. And he did say, yeah, we did watch the the film from last year. We all know what happened. So I think it's a strong point of emphasis this year that Dave that they're not going to take the bait on some of these rub routes they used to free up Jarrett last year. Uh, what did you think? Also, Christian Veyu, yeah, uh, was clearly the the number the number two quarterback in pregame, and and Roberson was basically 
uh, unseen. I thought that was interesting that, that he's gotten more practice reps, that he likes his arm strength. His poise stands out, which is something that Roberson certainly didn't have at Iowa. Uh, you think he's the number two guy now? Well, the, the door's been cracked, right? James said that Taekwon was limited in practice going into the Ohio State game and that they, because he was limited, the coaching staff felt like they, uh, they U was further along this, that particular week. Now, you know, if they maybe, Dave, they saw enough of him in a number two role with more reps that that could influence how they look at the rest of the season. I don't know. Yeah, when I, when, I heard, when I heard him pointing out poise, yeah. That that piqued my interest, you know. Yeah. When, when you ever hear a coach talk about a quarterback having yeah. poise, especially yeah. what we saw at Iowa, that's yeah. that's worth considering. On top of that, Dave, you know, the more I watched the Ohio State game and I watched what Clifford did in game, you know, they didn't really go quick. And a lot of times, Dave, right, we saw him trying to change the play late on the play clock, getting up to center, you know, hand movements, yelling to the offensive line and the players. You know, I think it's a pretty sophisticated scheme that Mike has that he trusts Sean to run. And it, it's, it's, I just don't think the guys behind them, behind him, are in any way equipped to do all the stuff that Sean does at the line of scrimmage against a good team. So maybe he does have poise, but if they have to play him meaningful snaps against anyone, I just think it's going to be a very different looking uh Offense. I just don't think there is a uh, there is a fail safe backup option at quarterback for Penn State for the remainder of 2021, and they're going to have to get it right somehow. Whoever the quarterback is in 2022, because if it's not Clifford, a healthy Clifford, they're just they're they're in a they're in a world of trouble. Yeah, they are. All right. Um, who's your? Have you looked at it? Who's your? Who's your four? For yeah. the uh, first rankings tonight, at seven o'clock, the college football playoff. Uh, who do you like? To me, yeah. if you're asking me who who it should be, it's Georgia, it's Alabama, it's it's Ohio State. I don't particularly trust Oklahoma. I'm not sure the fourth team. We know the identity of the fourth team yet, but there's only there's only so many options because I think it's a pretty significant drop off. And I'm one. I'm just wondering. I'm just wait, wondering. Wait about, a minute. I'm just, I'm just wondering about Michigan you, State moving you, forward. You got Ohio State above Michigan State now. I, if I'm if I'm giving if I'm going to build my top four, I'm going to put Ohio State in over Michigan State. And Ohio State in over Oregon? Yeah. Even with a head-to-head loss at home to Oregon? Yeah, I I get all that. I think the defense is a lot tighter now. Um, And I think that uh, I just look at the Michigan State-Ohio State game that's going to be played later. And I'm know i just saying who I think are the four best teams. I wanted your four best teams, not what you think is going to happen. What what Michigan State did against Michigan in the fourth quarter, they took the game from them physically – really resonates with me. And I, I just think that they're a team that if there's five teams going for four spots right now, they're one of, they're one of the five. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen when those two teams meet. And I believe the game's in Columbus, but they're, they're right there. I think it's, I would say there's five teams for four spots now, two in the big 10, Alabama, Clemson. I'm not wild. I'm not wild about Oklahoma. I would probably even throw, I probably throw in Oregon before I threw in Oklahoma. Yeah, I would too. This is who I'd have. I, I got I got to do it two different ways. 
Go ahead. If I'm on the committee, if I'm on the committee, I'm putting Cincinnati in there just to piss everybody off because <laughs> it's a country club. It's a country club. And if you're going to have what you're calling a tournament yeah. based on merit, yeah. uh, I want him in there simply because it, otherwise it's an invitational. And right. we all it, know the, the, yeah. that the Power Five conferences are running this thing. Uh, I think they're opening themselves. If Cincinnati goes undefeated, they're opening themselves up for an antitrust suit. I really do, because this will be the last straw for the for the group of five yeah. schools. Anyway, do I think they're really one of the four best? No, I don't. I don't. I, I would I would say it's Georgia way up here, then Alabama about here, even though they've lost. And and then I got to put Michigan State in next, man. I mean, I don't know. I, I, you saw that Ohio State defense. Yeah. I don't think they're particularly very good, man. I, I still don't think they're good. Uh, we, we saw them get better, supposedly, against crap competition. They hadn't played anyone in since, since Oregon, and they ended up looking like they did against Oregon to me. I mean, I, I think they're vulnerable on defense, and I like Michigan State better with my eyeballs than I do Ohio state. And then I'll put Oregon in because Ohio state hasn't, hasn't played a, that much a tougher schedule than Oregon has. Now is the Pac is PAC 12 football bad? Yeah, it's bad. And if you watch PAC 12 football, it's so obviously bad compared to what it, what it's been in years, decades bought back. I know that, but those are my four yeah. Georgia, Alabama, Michigan state, Oregon, everyone else down the line and it could change, but we'll see what happens. Dave, uh, as much as I was impressed by Michigan state and I was impressed in the Michigan game, I can't, I can't shake the Nebraska Michigan state game uh, a couple of weeks ago when I thought Nebraska had them dead to rights uh, late in that game. And and they did in Nebraska, they did what they always do. And they found a way to muck it up that the Michigan state offense did nothing in the second half against a just okay uh, Nebraska defense, and they gave it away with a special teams play and blew it. But Hey, they, I, did, they, they did very little against Indiana also. Yeah. I mean, they only scored 13 points against a beat-up Indiana defense, yeah. uh, which That's just true. just gave up 30, 38 to Maryland. So there is that. But look, they are mentally tough, and they you are. can't take that away from them. And based on what we've seen so far, I mean, they, they put up a bunch of points and a bunch of points late. And they have something that so few of these teams in college football have right now, a great running back. I mean, Kenneth Walker is a terrific running back who will get you yards when you need it. To me, that matters. And I don't know that Travion Henderson is even that. He got away once, and that's valuable too, an explosive runner. But he's not a every down back who will get you five when you deserve two, like Kenneth Walker is. I, I love the toughness of this team, and they have a combination of toughness and a little bit of explosiveness, too, with Peyton Thorne and all, all his wideouts. They're, they're, they're a very good team. Um, they're not great on defense, but I, I, I like them. To me, that you got to put them in at this point. Certainly, if it comes down to them only losing in Columbus in a competitive game, to me, I think they gotta, they got to be in there. Uh, even of, even in front of Oklahoma, what does yep. Oklahoma prove? You want to talk about a Nebraska game? What yeah. about Oklahoma against Nebraska? Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean that 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 if Oklahoma is even in the conversation with one loss, I don't get it. I don't get yeah. it at all. Yeah, Dave. Before we go, did you think um, the thing that fascinates me about Ohio State and Henderson? 
they never really threw him to the wolves like they did with Penn State. You know, he's he was a guy that was getting the ball because Master Teague was healthy, you know, six, seven, 10, 11 times a game in blowouts. This was like his first prep for maybe what lies ahead. He had a ton of carries. Right, right, rugged right. defense. And yeah. this, is his, this is the first time he had to kind of deal with some, uh, you know, with some adversity because things did not go his way until the second half. And I just wonder if he's going to benefit from this because, you know, the first couple games that he, that he played, you know, he was just making splash play after splash play. And you know, the, the numbers yeah, it's easy. It's easy to do nine yards yeah. of carry. And now he got his nose bloodied. He took some good shots. I think it's going to be better for him moving forward. And I think you'll see him grow off of what Penn State was able to do. And Penn State really did a hell of a job on him, except for maybe two or three plays. And I think he carried it 27 times. Yeah. I mean, if you take out the 68 yarder, he's got 27 for 92. And he's just a kid. He's just a kid where Kenneth Walker is a transfer, has been playing Wake Forest. I mean, he's he's a serious, mature running back. But yeah. still, that's that's the situation we have here. That's why I really like Michigan State as the weather gets colder. Uh, Kenneth Walker is going to be in Manhattan for the Heisman Trophy presentation. I don't know if he'll win, but he's going to be there at this point. I mean, Gus Johnson was talking about, get your tuxedo now. <laughs> and, he's, and he was right. That's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking, right? Yeah. I mean, that's valuable in a close, tough, tight game, a back like that. I, I, I didn't see that out of Henderson. Maybe you will in a couple of years, but I didn't see that right now, right? Uh, Mel Tucker knows running back talent, man. Of all the guys he got to come to Michigan State, how good would Wake Forest be this year if they get that? I know, I know. With that guy. It's fascinating to watch the Big Ten East play out between Michigan State and Ohio State. Michigan Michigan was close to to closing the deal, but Michigan State would not allow them. Uh, They're going to play Penn State in a couple of weeks. We got to – I got to mention this before we go, though, because it really bugged me, and I mentioned in the power poll. Didn't it – strike you that i mean kate mcnamara is having a terrific game he's having his best game he threw for what 383 yards and still this convention of coaches trying to keep the second stringer the the big g whiz five-star recruit from leaving for the portal he puts jj mccarthy in there not once but twice in the middle of the fourth quarter and he fumbles twice they only lost one, but he fumbled twice. Yeah. I mean, what what have we become? What are coaches becoming? Constantly being fearful of that. And you know that's yeah. the only reason that that yeah. shark face put him in the game, right? Yeah, it's I know, the only I, reason. I think the irony is of all the one coach you thought they wouldn't do it would be Shark Face, because you know he's a Bo Schembechler guy, and he'd be like, Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to play my starter, and you're going to like it. And if you don't like it, I want a Michigan man to coach the Michigan team. Get out. Like, it, I can't believe it was all people's shark face game. We don't know how much Josh Gaddis had to do with it, but it, it's it's Harbaugh's decision, you know, at that point in that game. It, it, whether Gaddis wants to do it or not, it's his decision to say no. McNamara's having a great game. He has command. We don't un, We don't unlatch his command at this point in this game. You, you don't do it. You don't put a, tr- a freshman in there who can who can screw everything up. And that's what happened, man. That's what happened. That's where we've gotten in coaching and the transfer portal. 
where, you know, the, of course, the flip side of where Penn State is they don't have anybody prepared to be a backup <laughs> because they've given so much to Sean Clifford. I think there's a happy medium in there someplace. Anyway, I had to get that in. Dave, I, I would say that holistically, I think we've covered all the bases on this edition <laughs> of the Blue White Breakdown podcast. I'm, 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 I'm happy for the opportunity, proud to uh, to have the opportunity to do this Blue White podcast. But uh, we, I've got I've got to go. The neighbors are here. All right, take care, guys. We'll be back. We'll be back in a little bit. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Pen Live.